Hello everyone, welcome to the HW Shift podcast number 20. I'm Alex, I'm a behavioral science analyst here at HRW Shift. We've met throughout the past few podcasts and I would like to welcome to this month's podcast uh, Jen and Kieran. Hi Jen, hi Kieran. Hi, I'm Jen. I am a research exec here at HRW and I am also a part of the Shift team. And I am coming today with a background in intercultural communication, linguistics, and I'm excited to be here. Hi, I'm Kieran, and I'm a research manager at HRW and also part of the SHIFT team alongside Alex and Jen. So in terms of my background, I did psychology at university, as well as doing a master's in health psychology. If we were to record this face to face, I would have probably shaken your hands at the start. But uh, yeah, I'm not able to since we're doing this online. Actually, did you know that handshake started as a way of making sure that the person you were meeting did not conceal a weapon? Which brings me nicely to the topic of this month's podcast, which is gestures and how different cultures embrace them to a different level, perhaps, and what their purpose is. And this came to mind because one day in our um, behavioral science team a meeting, we were talking about gestures and I was reminded of a book I read when I was in school, which is called The Book of Tells written by psychologist Peter Collett. And it went through the role that gestures play in our society, what kind of gestures are used by different people, by politicians, by royals, what kind of gestures do we use when we may want to conceal a lie and so on. So we thought, so let's make a podcast on it. Have you got any particular gestures that you'd like to share with everyone? Yeah, so one interesting gesture that I've heard and come across is the gesture which we commonly known as OK. So when you put your index and thumb together to make a circle and then your other three fingers kind of stand up so we refer to that as an okay gesture in japan it means something completely different it refers to money but then interestingly in brazil it has a completely different connotation so it's considered quite a rude gesture so the equivalent of giving someone the middle finger essentially and apparently richard nixon so the president of the United States. He made this mistake when he visited Brazil once and a lot of people got quite angry when he gave that gesture. So I wonder if there are any Brazilian scuba divers and whether they have kind of a bilingual understanding of that gesture because uh, if I'm not mistaken in scuba diving you know the, the use of hand signals is extremely important you can't speak underwater And my understanding is that that okay gesture that Kieran was just talking about actually is the symbol for okay in scuba diving because the symbol with your thumbs up, that gesture, that means going up. If you're trying to tell your partner that you want to ascend, go closer back toward the surface of the water. And so they use that symbol that Kieran, you were talking about, okay, to mean I'm okay. And I wonder if there are any Brazilian scuba divers who had to kind of get over any emotional response when they got into, into it. <laughs> That's quite funny. What are you telling me to do? <laughs> Excuse you? How rude. <laughs> How rude, yes. I came here to have a peaceful time and look at fish. <laughs> Interestingly as well, that thumbs up that you were just saying, Jen, that also has a completely different connotation in some other countries. So, for example, in the Middle Eastern countries, whilst we do a thumbs up to show as a sign of approval. It has, again, a negative connotation. So similar to giving someone the middle finger, definitely something to bear in mind when going traveling to make sure we kind of look up and know what different gestures means in different cultures. 
So thinking about gestures that mean different things in different cultures, one that I really like talking about is nodding the head up and down, which I in the US know to mean yes or agreement. But when I lived in China, I found that almost every listener in any conversation nods their head. And it does not mean yes or I agree. It just means I'm, I'm listening. I hear you. I'm following what you're saying. It's a way of showing I understand or I'm engaged rather than showing agreement. A note to self to remember to always look up whether any gestures are offensive when traveling somewhere. That's cool that you brought that gesture up because uh, I was reading about it actually the other day. In Greece and Turkey, sometimes when people lift their heads for no, and a lot of times when they do that, they close their eyes, lift their eyebrows or make a sound like kind of like this, like, and I just realized as you were talking about it, that we do that in, uh, in Romania as well, that sound when we want to negate something, when we want to emphasize that, it was quite interesting. The gesture I wanted to share was how again, in Romania, sometimes when people shake hands they shake the hand and then with the other hand free one they grab the person's elbow to kind of bring them in so it's not a hug and it's it's kind of in between a hug and a handshake and I wonder why that is actually is it just to make it seem more welcoming to bring a bit of sort of body warmth into it or so the other person doesn't really escape it because I've seen people you know just holding a person like that for a duration of a short conversation which I thought was quite funny stay here with me you're not going anywhere um, and it's interesting that we've, we brought gestures from different cultures, from Japan, Brazil, Romania. I know there's the concept of high versus low context cultures, which is quite interesting, although it's not very, it may not be very easy to grasp, it can be quite complex. Did you want to tell us something about that, Jen? Yeah, sure. The idea of gestures actually weaves in really nicely with this framework of high context cultures and low context cultures. And basically what this is, is in the study of intercultural communication, this concept exists. Context in this case refers to like the environment, the inputs and the stimuli or the ambiance around an event or a situation where people are talking to each other. And so this is a spectrum, of course, you know, you've got high context cultures, low context cultures, but of course you have everything in, in between too. But we tend to explain it by looking at the two opposite ends of that spectrum, high context and low context cultures. So coming back to gestures, people from low context cultures, this could be places like the US, Canada, Scandinavia, Western Europe, they tend to operate on a non-conscious assumption that the person they're speaking to doesn't know very much. And most of the information needs to be explicitly stated. And the context of the situation is not really used to convey meaning. So speakers from these cultural backgrounds tend to be less sensitive to nonverbal cues, including gestures. Maybe you could say they're sensitive to a smaller range of those cues. And we tend to use more explicit or more like obviously visible gestures, gestures that take up more space and kind of make more noise, if you will. But people from high context cultures, such as places like Japan, China, as well as most Arab nations, tend to be non-consciously taking into account a much broader range of implicit information behind a confirmation, behind a conversation. So they're attuned to much more than the words that are spoken, but also those nonverbal expressions, physical surroundings, social setting, interpersonal relationships. And so they're much more sensitive overall to a broader range of nonverbal cues, facial expressions, posture, voice, inflection, and of course, gestures as well. And they, people in high context cultures will be kind of noticing or using more gestures, though they may be um, less obvious and taking more meaning away from those. So for someone visiting a high context culture, for example, 
would it be more difficult to fit in or to get used to what the locals say, what the locals mean, just because of all of these? Yes. yes. So it can, it's a, it's a difficult thing to train, I suppose, kind of becoming aware of a different way of entering and being part of a conversation. But also what it means is even if you are a local, it's harder to enter a conversation that's already underway because there's so much, so much of that meeting is embedded within what's already happened in the conversation. And so it can be more difficult to kind of just jump in and say like, oh, hey, what was that subject we're talking about? And then know what's really being discussed. I guess you'd be met with lots of gestures if you just barged into the conversation. Yes, and maybe not knowing what any of them mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting how those cultures share that, you know, they must share the common history, common background and just common manuals to understand those gestures. Sometimes you don't even realize and it's just transmitted down generations. You just know that people do that. Just instinctively know people do that when they're happy or sad. Just how as humans, actually, we know that when babies smile, they're happy or when anyone else smiles, if they're happy or they want to pose as innocent because smiles reassure us. So some gestures we just inherited from our evolution. Uh, so there's no wonder then when we have those inherited backgrounds to some gestures and different types of cultures. No wonder that we interpret gestures differently and different gestures mean different things for different cultures or even societies within the same cultures. A, a culture can even be a company or a family or a group of friends. So yeah, interestingly what you said earlier about facial expressions and like children's expressions as well, that leads me quite nicely onto the idea of like facial gestures and being able to interpret that. And facial expressions, I guess, can be another gateway to communicating, so a form of nonverbal communication. Uh, so sometimes if you only listen to perhaps what a person says and ignore what their face is telling you, then you won't really get the whole story of what they're trying to say. And often words may not match the emotions and the face can betray what a person is actually feeling. So, for example, we've all been in a situation where we may have asked our friends, for example, how are they feeling? So how are you? And if you maybe just rely on the words, if they say, for example, oh, I'm fine, it might not be telling you the whole truth. Whereas if you have that interaction with them in person and you can sense that maybe something isn't fine by their facial expression, that can reveal a lot more to the subcontext of what they're saying. So there's really a true value in understanding facial expressions to be able to gather more information about how another person is feeling and enable you to guide your interaction accordingly I guess. When asking someone how they're feeling if you just rely on their words it may just tell you one half of the picture for example so it may not be telling the whole truth. So we've all been in the situation where we've asked our friends maybe how are you feeling today and if they just say, oh, I'm fine, but then you can tell by their facial expressions that everything is perhaps not as fine as they're making it out to be, then that kind of reveals a lot more and provides some more subcontext to what they're saying. So there really is true value in understanding facial expressions to be able to gather more information about how another person is feeling and to be able to guide your interaction accordingly. So another example is for if someone appears disinterested in maybe what you're talking about they may just be tired and so that indication from their facial expressions may show you that it's perhaps time to end the conversation and not keep continuing and whilst people obviously don't want to be rude in <laughs> saying that directly yeah their facial expressions can kind of reveal 
a whole another meaning. I was going to ask you something actually because that reminded me of something. If you, uh, Kieran and Jen, could think of how do you normally end a hug when you hug someone? I, I mean, I'm just assuming that you hug people. How do you decide when to end the hug? Yeah, I mean, there's just an implicit kind of couple of seconds, I suppose. And then it means, you know, if you haven't seen someone for a while, you might hug them a little tighter, a little bit longer to kind of like emphasize that the meaning of that hug or, you know, how much you've missed that person. Have you ever seen people hugging or have you ever hugged someone and then you notice just like a pat on the back or on the shoulders? Sometimes, yeah. And he looks like a person comforting another one but that actually psychologically subconsciously indicates the end of a hug so maybe try that hug someone and pat them on the on the back I've noticed that that's what I tend to do and I've been told by people oh I know you're about to end the hug now (laughs) because you've patted me on the back yeah Um, I suppose if if one person isn't sure you know and one person wants to be done then that's exactly the type of communication that would be needed yeah and I think some um, of those gestures For example, when we we smile, even though sometimes we may not be happy about something, do have their own roles in society. So we were talking about it might make us seem more polite or civil. For example, if we're given a task and then, you know, we smile, but we can, the person can tell that we're not so happy about it, maybe, but we still smile and get along and nod and then proceed with the task. Because even though we might not be super pleased about it, we understand that it's necessary to do that and to carry on. And that does bridge and does strengthen relationships and ties a bit more when we have the understanding that something might not be to our liking, but still, you know, we give away the signs, the gestures that it's fine. It's all right. We'll get on with that. Social harmony. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe you mentioned this when we had a chat last time, Jen, about children being more direct. And it's also interesting to see how children can be more direct, they can be more vocal as you were about their gestures. If you've seen a child refuse something and thoroughly shake their head, this is not what I want, I'm not going to do this, or close their mouth if they don't want food, or put their hands behind their back if they don't want to do something. We don't really do that anymore as we become older, or we don't do it as much. It really shows kind of how socially embedded and socially valuable something like gestures and nonverbal cues are that we have to learn, you know, how to temper our actual reactions with these other kind of indicators, right? When you're a kid, yeah, you just think, do you like it or not? Do you want it or not? And that's all the information that you give. But then as we've been talking about smiling, even if you don't want to do something, or if you say, yes, I understand, but you know, you're shrugging your shoulders, someone might pick up on the fact that you're not actually that sure. Kids don't have that nuance. They'll just go straight in with exactly what it is that they're thinking. No filter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There are dishes that we consciously do because we want to transmit something, for example, when we shake a hand quite firmly, but there are also gestures that we do involuntarily and not really, we're not really aware of them. For example, even when someone lies, they might look away, they might not look people in the eye, they might touch their lips, their mouth, or when someone's sad, they might touch their eyes as if to wipe a tear. Yeah, and I guess those types of gestures can really help with cognitive formation of like the message and help support like learning and memory so maybe by doing a certain gesture it helps you to remember what was being talked about or like that topic a bit better like you said if someone was visibly upset and they wiped the tear from their eyes that's probably more memorable than if they were a bit more timid in how they were talking for example so I think yeah gestures can really help to provide essential information as well Um, to a conversation. Yeah, I think that has something to do with us remembering how people felt or how we think they may have felt because we could 
be mis misinterpreting those gestures rather than what they said. So we may say, oh, you seemed upset or that person seemed upset or excited about something or happy. But we might not really remember what they said, if they actually said they were upset or what words they used. One gesture that I thought was quite funny I read about recently is, you know, when we, especially maybe in films nowadays, when people drink tea or any other beverage and they lift their pinky uh, and that looks like something fancy, we... You may have children trying to adopt that gesture to pretend they're drinking some fancy tea or people might be using the same pinky just to do uh, pinky promises, you know, promises that you can't break. Again, come on among children. But in, in China, for example, that gesture is a sign as giving the thumbs down, as not being happy about something. But in Japan, on the other hand, it's a symbol of a significant other, which is quite interesting. So they're quite the opposites. And for example, the one for China remind me of the very old gesture used by using ancient Rome to grant gladiators life or death. Thumbs up meant life, thumbs down meant death. The person in charge wasn't happy about their performance. And one thing that I wanted to kind of mention was that high versus low context cultures, it doesn't mean that there's like a correlation, a positive correlation, whether you're a high context culture, then you necessarily have a lot more gestures and low context cultures can't, which isn't true. How there are some countries that are just stereotypically very like gesture heavy and to just like have a mm -hmm. nice life. You know, we have the, that kind of idea or stereotype of, of people and cultures who really talk with their hands statement in and of itself like to talk with your hands yeah. you know we think of places like Italy yeah but looking more at gestures more directly at gestures within a culture there are cultures that we all think of as having lots of gestures beginning of cultures that as we say they talk with their hands the hand takes the role of a helper in language and sometimes you can express what we mean or what we want to say faster than the mouth can because it's not filtered by our thinking it just goes ahead, like I'm doing right now, <laughs> even though you can't see me. <laughs> I'm moving my hand around um, a lot. And we, we often do that to, uh, to enunciate something. We draw people's attention, point at something, which in, in some contexts, it can be quite rude. Uh, and there's something I don't quite get, which is it's rude if someone points at something with a finger. But if they use their whole hand and kind of wave towards it or like make a larger gesture, that's not considered rude or not as rude. But the, the end result is the same. We are pointing something out. Did you guys have any thoughts on this? Well, what's interesting also is that, you know, as you were starting to say, some cultures are kind of just known for being more um, expressive with their, their hands and their, their just use of gestures. I'm thinking of Italy in particular. I don't know if anyone is thinking of any other countries. Kind of that almost stereotypical, really high amount of use of gestures. And I think that, it's not an accident that people from Italy are also known as being quite passionate and kind of fiery and expressive in the way that they communicate. So almost, you know, that level of intensity, it needs more than what can be conveyed just with words. It needs that, that visual component to express the intensity of emotion that they want to go with what they're saying. Yeah, and another culture is also the Indian culture. Alex, how you were saying before, the hands can be used to communicate faster than actually saying or speaking the words. So, for example, if you want to say, oh, I'm not sure, like, I don't know, rather than saying that, what people tend to do is just twist their palms up 
to kind of show like I don't know or like, sometimes people use like shrug their shoulders that hand movement within the Indian culture can also mean exactly that as well so it's kind of a quicker way of just expressing to someone that they're not sure or they don't know about whatever has been talked about. Do the hands come up raised with like the palm up or does it get turned as the person speaks? Yeah so you can kind of picture it as twisting a light bulb but Ah, just right. flip it like so you twist your hand so your palm is facing up oh, that's um, quite interesting yeah <laughs> I've noticed similar gestures in in other countries I noticed for example when the when the shoulders are lifted for a shrug sometimes the hands come up as well with the palm facing up it's sort of more parallel to the ground it's not the twisting of a light oh, that's quite interesting It almost seems in the Beyonce music video, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. <laughs> yeah, it's just pointing at the of, finger. Is that kind of it? Like the twisting of the hand? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I haven't seen many Indian films. I've seen a, a few. And I noticed in dances, the movement is used a fair amount. Is that maybe to enunciate that in the dance move that the person doesn't know or doesn't want to talk about something? Or is it just a coincidence? No, that's just purely a dance move it's not supposed to communicate anything whereas the like I'm not sure it's like less of kind of cupping but it's more like got it now. flip your hand and like palm over if you know what I mean yeah got it now thank you <laughs> it's almost like that game where someone has to draw something on someone's back and then that, that person has to draw further and by the end it's just it might be something completely different to what uh, the first person started with I was reading something interesting in this book uh, that I mentioned, the Book of Tells, about gestures that politicians employ. For example, they want to seem, they want to show that they're able to run a country, they're able to lead, and not just mentally, not just psychologically, through the knowledge they have, but also physically. I was reading that the, the British Prime Minister, Harold Wilson, was going up to the stairs on, in a plane. He used to run on those steps. So people could see that he was in a good physical shape. Ronald Reagan as well, he was stepping with a very decisive step, uh, moving his arms as well very vigorously to give that impression of, of health. I was just going to say, it's interesting how gestures can essentially be like a second language. So it can communicate it my mind. so much like additionally versus just saying something. It can provide like a whole nother context to a discussion or conversation and another form of language that you have to learn especially when you're thinking about the different cultures it's kind of similar to learning a different language like the gestures kind of go alongside that it's yeah very different from culture to culture you can't separate a language from where it comes from and the other parts of how it's used in dialogue another yeah. thing that, that I was thinking that was interesting is kind of just the efficiency aspect of it, that you can convey more in the same amount of time. Kieran, you were talking about the gesture for indicating uncertainty with that twist of the hand and the palm. And similarly, I know in the US, at least we've got kind of shrugging as, as an equivalent type of gesture, but it's something that can be done without stopping the conversation. You know, whatever you're doing can just keep, keep on going on and you just take that gesture into account along with whatever words are being said. And I'm thinking of another funny one in the Netherlands. There is a gesture to indicate that something you're eating is really, really tasty, really delicious. You kind of raise your hand, your palm up by your forehead. You arc the hand just slightly and kind of like, it's hard to explain, but you kind of like wiggle it slightly or like turn it a little bit from side to side. And that indicates that what you're eating is really, really delicious. 
And particularly when you're eating and you might not want to speak with your mouth full, it's sufficient. <laughs> now you can indicate that something's really good without having to stop for actual words. It's interesting as well that some of those gestures we do before we actually say the words that accompany them. And also you're saying, Kieran, about how gestures are like a second language. And also a broad gesture, something as broad as a smile, for example, can have different meanings, different degrees. If you smile with your mouth closed, if you show your teeth, if you nod when you smile, and it might make people feel differently. We've heard, uh, we've probably heard the saying, you know, smiling with one's eyes, you know, when the eyes crease upwards and you get those little creases around the eyes or the nose, and you know, someone's genuinely smiling. Yeah, and sort of on the flip side of that, like whilst gestures can mean different things between cultures, I guess if you're also traveling to a different country where you're perhaps not able to speak the language as well, gestures can also be used as a form of communication to help people understand where they're not able to use language. So for example, I don't know if I went to another country where I'm trying to think of how to ask someone like, where's the nearest restaurant? Something around that. And I don't know how to say that in the local language. People could probably use gestures to indicate that. I don't know, cutting up your food or like eating. So it can also like unite and help provide like a common language between cultures as well, where you're not able to properly communicate in another country's like language. Absolutely. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, very good examples why gestures are so, so important. Gestures come more to the front of consciousness, right? And it may not be the same gesture that we would use otherwise, but kind of interpreting a concept into a visual form, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, as in putting the meaning of what we'd want to convey and putting it through a gesture. Yeah, exactly. so that's, oh, that's interesting. The language via our hands. Yeah, or if you're asking directions for somewhere, be used to help guide someone if you're not able to speak in the local language. Or patting someone down if they feel upset or distressed, distraught in any way. It's maybe as kids, you know, you, you tend to pat kids on their heads or, you know, their parents may do that or on their backs. And maybe doing that can bring us back to feeling they were taken care of and they were safe and secure. And we might even do that to ourselves. We might hold our own hands just, you know, on our lap or rub our shoulder when we're in a foreign situation, when there's something we don't know anything about or we feel a bit uneasy. Or put our hands in our pocket just to keep them away, keep them somewhere safe, somewhere in a, in a posture that we're comfortable with. You know, when you have your hands in your pockets across a lot of cultures, that's kind of an indication of either shyness or standoffishness or something that is saying that I can't or don't want to be as directly involved in this in this dialogue. I remember being in school and as students, we were told to take our hands out of our pockets just to fully be there in the moment and to seem more respectful towards the audience. It seemed disrespectful to keep our hands away in our pocket. I think this can take us back to when putting hands away could have concealed something because we can't see or like that's why people tell others don't put your hands under the table while you eat right maybe it brings us back to that thinking of subconscious thinking of what's happening like we saw when we talked about handshaking someone as a method to see whether they conceal any weapon in their hand maybe it brings us back to the same thing you know hands are visible that reassures us that person is you know with us is in in a sense doesn't want anything has no ill intent and uh, just wants to enjoy our company I wonder if when people put their hands in their pockets or put their hands out of view and it's seen as rude, I wonder if it's also kind of a way that we subconsciously acknowledge the role of hands and gestures in communication and in social interactions and taking that element away is considered rude because you're kind of cutting off that ability to communicate in a sense. 
saying, you know, I don't want you to, to read me in a way. I don't want you to really know what I'm thinking or anything like that. I hadn't thought of that. That's a good yeah. point. Interestingly, even thinking about kind of the equivalent of giving someone the middle finger, I believe in Europe, the original kind of sign for that used to be putting one fist in, in the elbow of the other arm and then pulling that other arm up like a cranking. <laughs> it's funny um, to see you do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but what I was going to say is I don't believe that that's nearly as common anymore. And I mean, just the popularization of US TV shows and US movies, um, that middle finger gesture is kind of replacing more native symbol or gestures, if you will. Could be. Yeah. I think I'm trying to think about when I if there's a film I associate with that, I think it. Oh, it's a. There's the classic scene of Mr. Bean going to the U.S. and someone from a car gives him the middle finger, and he thinks that's just like a way to say hello, just a greeting. So he keeps giving the middle finger to everyone, uh, which I think illustrates what what you just said very well. Well, thank you. Thanks a lot, Jen and Kieran. And thank you everyone for listening to us today. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you'd like to share some of your favorite gestures, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at HRWShift. You can email us at shift at hrwhealthcare.com. If you'd like to read more, I'd recommend The Book of Tells by Peter Collett. But for now, it's bye from me. Bye, everyone. Thanks. Bye, everyone.